Bible this morning, okay? So I'll let you turn to the very back first and look at the very front after that. Okay, so if you want to flip over to the book of Revelation, chapter number 19. If you get to the uh, index, you've gone just a little bit too far, but not much. Uh, so Revelation 19. And then we'll, like I said, we're going to be all over the place um, for a little while, and then we'll be back to Revelation 19. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for, um, for leaving it for us. You have preserved it over the years. You've watched over it uh, so that we have, <clears throat> excuse me, have a record of what you have said and what you're still saying. Lord, we recognize your word is a, a holy book. It, it's, it is history, yes, and it is um, things that people have written down. <clears throat> It's prophecy. It is um, things, all these things that actually happened, but it's so much more. It, it's what you have preserved for us, and it's holy. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask that you would use this holy book to speak to us today. We know that you uh, speak by, uh, th through the word and your spirit. So we ask that you would combine the two today and speak to our hearts. Reveal more of who you are so that we can be more like you. Lord, we, um, Lord, we just, we know at, at the revelation of you, things happen. Healings take place and chains break off and, and um, you, you knock off little hard pieces on, on us that, that need to be, um, need to be shaped. So Lord, just please show up today and do whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do here in this, um, in this assembly and in each one of us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody in here been married and not known it? You, you, you woke up one morning and you looked at the man or the woman next to you and said, who are you? And they said, well, we got married last night. Oh, Anybody? Oh, any of, anyone? <laughs> if that's happened to you, don't admit it. <laughs> but, you know, something that you don't hear a whole lot about, you don't hear, have much teaching about, is the bride of Christ. In fact, I would say a lot of the church doesn't realize that they are the bride of Christ. And hence, they've been married and they don't know it. So since we are the bride of Christ, we really need to find out what this means so that it can inform our decisions, it can inform our lives, it can really affect who we are. Because it's part of who we are as, as the bride body of, of Christ as, as people who have been re renewed and regenerated by him. He has made us into his bride. Which, by the way, okay, all you guys, all right, all you guys, I, I, I want you to uh, repeat after me. Say, I am the bride of Christ. That doesn't sound very enthusiastic. Is that hard for you? Say, I'm the bride of Christ. Say, I am a beautiful bride. 
All right, ladies, you're not, you're not exempt, ladies, okay? I want you all to say, I am a son of God. That, that a little bit different, right? But we got to realize this, these are biblical terms. And what God is doing is, is showing who we are in different pictures, okay? It's different for a guy to say, hey, I'm a beautiful bride, okay? But, you know, he also says that we are sons of God. And I realize, ladies, it's a little bit different to say, I'm a son of okay. I'm the son of God, right? But that's, those are the pictures that he gives to us to show our inheritance and to show who we are. So let's look at uh, Revelation 19, and let's, uh, we're going to read just a few verses here. Start at verse 7. Okay, verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All right, like I said, I've got lots of, of places to go this morning because I, I want you to get this picture. So let me, let me give you an outline of kind of where we're going. I, I feel like I need to teach this passage and kind of bring everybody up to speed a little bit. Why John, you know, the Lord through John, the Apostle John, has given us this picture but then once we get there, I want to come back to this passage and I believe show you know, what really this is kind of saying to us today and how to grasp hold of this and to say, okay, this is, this is the message for us. But before I can get to the message for us, I need to really give this picture a little bit more. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I was going to use this uh, example. Um, uh, David was reading the book and talked about the friends that Jesus had, his, his closest friends. And I remember um, when our, all our girls were little, they had a, a little cardboard book Bible. You know those, those little cardboard books that you have when you're a little bitty because the kids often like to stick them in their mouths and whatnot? <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's probably 20 pages, I would guess. And one of them was a picture of Jesus and all the disciples. And we, we always told the girls, these are, this is Jesus and his closest friends. But it's, it's a picture. Now, God is a God of pictures. We say, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. I put that in the email this morning. Um, and what the Lord often does is throughout Scripture, he uses pictures to speak to us. And that's one thing he does in the book of Revelation. In fact, um, Flip over to the very first verse of the book. So Revelation 1.1. I want to show this to you. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, th that, that should tell you what the entire book's about. Okay? The entire book is the revelation of Jesus. So if you, have, if you want to know what the book of Revelation is about, it's about Jesus. 
It's about the revelation of him. Which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent in, uh, what, is, what is the word you have there in your Bible? Mine says communicated. Does anybody have something different? Signified. Signified. I like that one. Um, if, you, if you break that word apart, it's signified. And that's kind of the idea behind that, um, is that what, what the Lord did giving this to John is he showed him pictures. He showed him signs. He showed him pictures and said, okay, here's the picture. Now go get the interpretation. Go get the meaning. A lot of it is it, it's, a, it's a much more full meaning than what the, just the picture is showing. So we're going to talk about the, the bride of, of Christ. Go flip over to Ephesians real quick. We're going to be there just a second. Uh, the last chapter of Ephesians, I'm sorry, second to the last chapter, Ephesians 5. New Testament. Yep. Yep. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians 5. In verse 31, it says this. Is, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Um, remember, that's from, from Genesis, right? That's from, uh, what is it, Genesis is it the end of chapter 2? This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So what, what he's really in essence saying is the reason God put Adam and Eve there is because he wanted to symbolize Christ and the church. So with, with that... Um, yeah, I was, I've been trying to decide whether I wanted to use this board or not today, but it's fun. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so let, let's. We've got Adam, right? Okay. His wife is Eve. Eve. Thank you. Now, Genesis uh, one. Um, One twenty six and uh, through twenty eight. Um, actually, does somebody have that they could read for me? And God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Thank you. So what is what was their purpose here? In, in verse, so like verse 28? Uh-huh, and what? What's that? Oh, bigger? Sorry. I can read it. Dominion and yeah, fill, fill the earth, right? 
so this is a mystery of I'm speaking of a mystery I'm speaking of the symbol between um, Christ and his church right that's what that's what Paul says and you go back and you say okay you've got Adam and Eve you've got the first um, the first marriage right you've got I wasn't going to go here but this is good um, you've got Adam and Eve you've got the woman right who God brings to his if you will um, the the first man his in um, uh, in Luke um, he's called the son of God okay so God brings the woman to him and where does where does the woman come from rib right out of his side right and uh, by the way uh, where is Jesus pierced you think there's a reason for that you think there's a re you think there's a reason um, he brought Eve from the side all right now Flip over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Okay, Ezekiel chapter number 16. Um, let's see, Ezekiel is, uh, it's a little past halfway. Yep. Ezekiel 16. I'm going to try to read some of this to you because this is what so does every does everybody know that God was married everybody's like you're, you're looking at me funny now let me show let me show let me show you let me show you here listen to this this is this is this is not me okay I'm not making this up this is Ezekiel all right uh, Ezekiel 16, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man. Interesting. God gives him that, that uh, designation. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. And say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem. By the way, what, what is Jerusalem? This is easy. I'm, this is not a trick question. What's Jerusalem? It's a city. It's a town, right? Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Is that fair enough? Okay. Well, just hold on to that. That's for later. Stick that at the back of your head. All right? Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for <coughs> cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in clothes. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were aboard on the day you were born. When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you while you were in your, in your blood, live. I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up and became tall and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown that you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, 
you were at the time for love, so I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. That's, that's marriage, right? Yeah. You recognize that? Mm -hmm. This is the Lord God saying to Israel, to Jerusalem, right? It's, this is the word to Jerusalem. Did we establish that? And said, okay, I, I clothed, I, um, where'd it go? Uh, had a, I made a covenant with you um, so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. By the way, that became mine. If you go back to Exodus, that's where the covenant happens. And those, the, um, at Mount Sinai, and that's where the, that phraseology, you became mine. I bathed you with water, washed off, uh, off your blood from whom you, excuse me, from, from you and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet. I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver. Your dress was of fine linen. Are you getting that fine linen? Did, did, you, did we already see that someplace? Um, back in the, the, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19. Fine linen, bright and clean. Um, you were adorned with gold and silver. Your dress was of fine linen, silk, embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor, which I bestowed on you. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your fame. You poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. You took some of your clothes, made for yourself high places of various colors, and played the harlot on them, which should never come about nor happen. You took your beautiful jewels, made of my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images that you might play the harlot with them. You took your embroidered cloth and covered them and offered my oil and my incense before them. And it goes on and on. But it, it's, this is a case of how God took um, Jerusalem, took Israel, took Judah, made um, her his own, grew her up, gave her everything, and then yet she left the Lord. It says she played the harlot. Really, um, the idea is, is she, actually, she went after other gods. She... Um, went after the gods of the, the Canaanites and the Amorites, the Philistines, and they would sacrifice to those gods in one form or the other. This is, if you go through the Old Testament, this is the cycle they, that they go continually until, um, really until the, the fall of, of Jerusalem with, by the Babylonians. It's just this continual cycle of they come, they come back to the Lord and then they go away from the Lord and they come back to the Lord and then they, they go and chase another God, and they come back, and then they chase another God. And God finally had enough and said, you have been a harlot. I wanted you for my own, and yet you have gone astray. Now, um, flip over to 
Let's just go back to the New Testament. We didn't, we didn't actually do pretty well on time. This is good. I was surprised. <laughs> but we're not there yet. First, First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. Back to the New Testament. We've got the Gospels, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. The Gospels, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. First Corinthians 15, and go to um, verse 45. Verse 45 it says, "So also it is written, the first man, Adam, right? First man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, who is that talking about?" Jesus. Good. Thank you. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first with the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth. The second man is from heaven. All right? So you've got another... You've got first Adam. Right? You've got... Second Adam. Now, if you, if God made a couple to fill the earth, right? Don't you think He would do the same for the second Adam? And not only that, you've got God who um, marries, who enters into a covenant relationship with his people in the Old Testament, Jerusalem, right? We saw that. Is that was that new for you? Like God was married? Right? He enters into a covenant relationship. Don't you think the second Adam would have a covenant relationship with the bride? See how this all fits? From the very beginning, God makes, makes it all fit together. Only a God like our God can do that. Can know the beginning from the end and say, you know what? I know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going down a rabbit trail, but that's okay. Look, God loves us loved you, loves us so much that the plan of God was always Jesus in the church. Okay? Get that. The plan of God was always Jesus in the church because he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, right? He, he, the plan of God was always for Jesus in the church. So in order to get Jesus in the church... He said, I'm going to make Adam and Eve. You see, the future determines the past, not the other way around. And that's why we should feel special. 
We should feel special and loved by God because he always planned it this way. He's like, I'm going to get a bride for my kid. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the best bride in the world for my for my son. So how am I going to get her into the world so that she he can have this bride? Well, I'm going to make Adam and Eve. I'm going to make Israel. I'm going to go through all of this so I can get Jesus into the world and have a bride for him. Flip back over to the to Revelation. So now let, let's let's read this. Let us this is verse seven again, nineteen seven, Revelation nineteen seven. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen. Did we see that before in Ezekiel? He, he clothes us in the same clothes that he, he used to, you know, right? It was described for Jerusalem, virtually the same. It's fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said, these are, the word, these are true words of God. I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Let me just say this briefly. I'm not going to go into it, but a couple chapters previous to this, in the book of Revelation, you have the picture of the harlot. And it's, it looks exactly like what we read in Ezekiel 16. Fine linen, but all of a sudden she has, she has gone after other gods and, and gone after all the things of the world. Okay, but, it's, but she's still dressed in the fine linen. And yet you've got this contrast now between the harlot who was dressed in fine linen and, and clothed with majesty but has gone after other things and then you've got the pure, spotless bride of the Lamb. So how have we been made the bride of Christ? How have we been made the bride of Christ? First of all, I want to talk about that. We're, we're clothed in fine linen. All right, look at, look at that real quickly again. Um, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now, this is a really interesting way that this is described because um, it says that these are the righteous acts of the saints. So when you do something, right, you're doing good things. You're doing righteous acts. But it says that this was given to them. It's a gift. It's not something that you've done. So these righteous acts are given. 
They are bestowed upon us. We are given the fine clothes, bright and clean. Now, this is a theme really throughout the New Testament that um, you know, our salvation is a gift from God. It's, it's not anything that we can earn. It's not anything that we can do. That, you know, there's no way that we ourselves can do anything to get to God. Can't happen. All of our, all of our, right to, all of our good things that we do in ourselves are filthy rags. We can't, we can't make it. But God can give us those things. He can put those on us, which is just an amazing thing. He, he's, take, he's taken a filthy, ugly sinner and clothed us and made us into a beautiful bride. Now, we do have a part to play, right? We need to act like the beautiful bride that he's made us to be. Realizing, too, that none of our works are going to make things better. But we act who we are. We act who we are, not to try to get to something different. We just act who the Lord has made us to be. And even those acts are those things that he gives to us. Because we can't do it on our own. But once he has clothed us, then all of a sudden we are able to do good things because he's given them by his spirit. He puts his spirit in us. And like, like I was talking about uh, last week, you know, he, he puts his spirit within us so that we can, um, we can break free of the bondage and we can actually love people the way that we're supposed to love. And we can, we can uh, fellowship with him the way we're supposed to fellowship with him because he has given us these things. So we need to realize that the Lord has given us a place, fine linen, bright and clean. You know, there's a lot of people, and I don't know if you're one of them or not, but a lot of people did not have a great upbringing. Some people even, it's not just in their upbringing, but they, they have had different things happen to them as adults. And it's hard to hear that the Lord looks at us as a beautiful bride. That he gives us these things. That, that he bestows upon us beauty. He bestows upon us fine gifts. Jewels and crowns and linen and he makes us he, he puts us into a, a a dress that the world looks at and goes wow and we need to begin to see ourselves not as the world sees us you know maybe you had somebody in your life whether it was a um, a parent figure father figure mother figure Maybe somebody, uh, as, you're, as you're growing up, that just belittled you and, and told you you were worthless and no good, or, or you, you fill in the blank for you. But we have a God. We have a Lamb. We have a Savior who sees us differently. And that 
should thrill us. He sees us differently. He sees us. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be the worst sinner in the world, and you've said yes to Jesus. It doesn't matter. He says, I'm going to clothe you with glory. I'm going to clothe you with bright, fine linen. Get rid of the filthy rags. Get rid of the rags of being whatever it was you were, and I'm clothing you with beauty, sinlessness. That's how he sees us. As beautiful and sinless and righteous and holy and, and, and crowned with glory. Transformed. We should live a transformed life. Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know, oftentimes we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. We see ourselves as still what how either the world would see us or how somebody has seen us in the past. We have in our brain those negative things about our life, about who we were or what we've done or what somebody has said about us or, or how we have been treated growing up or who somebody did something to us, whatever. And what God wants us to do is realize who we are and how he sees us. And if he sees us that way, it doesn't matter what else anyone else thinks. He's the most important one. He sees me as, as dressed in righteousness and holiness and, and fine goods and glory, sinlessness. That's how he sees us. That's my Savior. about you we've, we've been clothed as the bride of Christ we've also been blessed been blessed look at um, verse 9 it says right blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me, these are true words of God. We've been blessed. You know, uh, when, you, when you go to a meal with somebody, right? And we, even today, but it's even more so back in the ancient culture. But, you know, what, what if, I, what if I, um, I, I called, you, called you up and said, oh, hey, hey, Steve, Jane, you, you guys want to go to dinner? And you said, yeah, sure, that's great. Love to go to dinner. So, okay, we're, we're going to go to... Um, Longhorn Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. It sounds good. It's not McDonald's. <laughs> we're we're going to go to the Longhorn Steakhouse. And, and, and they go, to, they go to, to, to the restaurant. They sit down, and there's, there's no Ryan. There's no Ruth. Right? And I call, I call Steve up and say, hey, how was dinner with us? <laughs> He'll say, what us are you talking about? Right? Because it's supposed to be fellowship, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be a meal together. Yeah. And this is, this is even more so. This is a covenant meal. This is, a, this is where they, they sit down and they say, okay, let, let's 
enter into this thing together. Let's get married. Let's let's have a bond that is is unbreakable and unshakable. And the best thing about it is we are together. And we need to realize that we're blessed because we are together with Jesus. Amen. This is we, we, we celebrate this this covenant meal. Every, you know, every time we get together, every time we take uh, take communion, we are reenacting and celebrating. The whole idea here is that that Jesus is the host and he's also the meal. And when you take that in, you are taking him into you. Isn't that a cool idea? Isn't that a cool thought? Very cool. And so he is becoming part of us. You you eat the you eat the piece of bread, the wafer, and you drink the the um, juice, right? And it becomes part of your body, right? And when the idea is, you are making Jesus part of you, part of your cells, part of your nature, part of who how you think, part of how you act. And you, it, you can't get any closer than that. And that is the idea of sitting down at this covenant meal and being blessed because we are in the presence of the king and he is fellowshipping with us and we are closer than you can ever possibly get in the presence of the most high God. Do we believe it though? And do we act on it? Do we believe it? Do we act on it? Are we, when we, when we go to work, or we're walking down the street, or when we're with family and friends, do do we take God with us, or do we say, you know what, Lord, I, I I've got this one today. I'm gonna leave you at home. Maybe it's not I got this one. Maybe it is, you know, I'm going I'm going out with some friends that they may not like you, <laughs> and so I'm gonna leave you at home. Well, let's get real. <laughs> Maybe having this out on your desk, people people are going to look at you and go, "Who is that Bible thumper?" And you say, "You know what? I'm going to leave it in the desk. I'll leave it at home because people just won't understand." Do we, do we take him with us? Are we taking the blessing with us? Or do we just want to be blessed and actually not take him with us, right? But there, there's, there's even more to it than that. You know, being in his presence and being so close to him it gives us a, a change in our heart and our lives and our attitude. And, and everything that is within us can change be in his presence. But... It takes, it takes a, a mindset shift. It takes realizing that we can actually be in the presence of God. It takes realizing that, that when, we, when we move in, in worship, thank you, Joe. Thank you for the worship every Sunday. You know, because that is, that is access to the presence of God. 
That, that is like the Pied Piper saying, okay, follow me. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Follow me right into, right into the throne room. Mm-hmm. Okay? But you can choose to stay out. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I've been there. I've been there sitting in my chair or, or standing up and, you know, and you know, the music's going and I'm swaying and it's, it's good and I'm clapping. I'm thinking, I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> What's for lunch today? <laughs> Come on. Let's not lie to each other. You've been there. <laughs> you don't have to go into the presence of God. You can stay out and you know it. But it takes a choice. It's a daily choice. Are you walking in his presence? Because it's there. The access is there. But it takes that choice of saying, number one, yes, I know I can walk into it. I can walk in that presence of God. Okay? You've got to know it first. And then you've got to choose it. Say, I'm going to walk in the presence of God today. I remember years and years ago, my pastor... Uh, I was in high school. He said, you know, you, sh- you should get out of bed every day, hit your knees, and say, Lord, you know, I just want to be in your presence today. God, go go with me today. Whatever's going on, I want, you to, I want you to be with me. I want to be with you. Go with me. Every day. Just, and I think it's a great, a great practice to just, the, I- the idea of I am going to be in his presence. And when, you, when you're there, there's blessing. There's abundant blessing. I don't know about you, but I need I need blessing. No matter what you know, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, I need that. I need that blessing. And number three, so we're we're clothed in fine linen. We're blessed in His presence. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number three um, is that we are a prophetic people talked about this a little bit before I fell at his feet to this verse 10 sorry I fell at his feet to worship him but he said to me don't do that I'm a fellow servant of yours this is an angel that John is addressing I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus worship God the testimony of Jesus is a it, I, I like a trans, better, little bit better translation the testimony of Jesus is a prophetic people how many of you all have heard a prophecy that's not e- not written or spoken? <laughs> the the thing about a prof- being prof- a prophetic people is you got to speak stuff out, right? Can I show you what this, what it gets down to? The dominion mandate in uh, Genesis 1 has never been rescinded. If God gave to Adam and Eve the purpose to, to, to have dominion over and fill the earth, what do you think the purpose of the second Adam and the second Eve is? Multiply. Have dominion and fill. Right? 
we do that by being a prophetic people. We use our mouth. We use our words. We use our actions to prophetically show people the testimony of Jesus. You know, throughout um, the New Testament, and really when you get especially into the book of Revelation, the whole idea is uh, about testimonies, per perseverance. You know, that's a big theme with, um, uh, with John in the book of Revelation. It's this, this idea of you persevere through whatever um, circumstances come your way, and that is your testimony. You are a living testimony through your perseverance. It's part of the blessing. It's part of um, being that prophetic people as you, you persevere and then people see your perseverance and they say, oh, they're Christ followers. You know, in um, one, one of the major things in the book of Revelation, um, in, in, the first, in the first century, you had a, a couple of different things going on. Number one, um, you had uh, a lot of Caesar worship, okay? I don't expect that you guys are going to go worship Caesar or go worship, you know, some other crazy deity, all right? But you had Caesar worship, and what Caesar did was said, if you do not declare me as Lord, then you cannot trade. They had trade guilds that, that you were a part of. So it, let's say you were, uh, let's say you were in construction. Some you're a carpenter, you're a stonemason, uh, some you're a part of a trade guild. All right. So um, that trade guild is connected to the temple. All of a sudden, they say, okay. Um, you know, David MacArthur is a follower of, G of Jesus. He is not declaring Caesar Lord. Um, he can't work anymore. And so your so they call your trade guild and say, you know what? Um, uh, you know, I, I've got some work, but Mr. MacArthur can't work because he's not following Caesar. Which says what? All of a sudden, you don't have any money. You don't have any work. You can't work. You can't go buy food. So there was a perseverance that had to take place because you, have, you were ostracized as Christians in the New Testament times, in the, in the first century. That's what they're dealing with here. That's why there's such, um, as you go through the letters, uh, you know, the, in the first, um, you know, second and third chapter, those who persevere to the end. And you know what? We need that same perseverance. Um, the testimony of Jesus. Are we going to give that testimony despite whatever circumstances come along? No matter how hard it is, no matter, no matter what it looks like to whoever, You know, for us, maybe we get a little bit ostracized. Maybe somebody makes fun of us. Maybe somebody says, oh, they call us a Bible thumper. Or they, they say, oh, do you go to one of those holy rolling churches where you, you roll down the aisle? You know what I'm talking about. You've heard that before. <laughs> right? And you all of a sudden go, you know, maybe I shouldn't talk to them anymore. 
can we can we can we despite anything else no matter what anybody says or no matter what anyone does we're going to testify and persevere we're going to give out the words of life to others and let me tell you when that happens this is what happens when we persevere, yeah, I believe it was Tertullian, one of the church fathers, said, um, you know, the, the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. The blood of the saints is the seed of the church. The more we kill them, the more, the more Christians are converted. Why? Because they lived it, and people realized it, and they said, I want to be part of that. But when we don't live it, people don't care. So we are we are a prophetic, a prophetic people. You know, they um, in the, in the first century, it was um, uh, gods were seen even in Caesar. Um, they had you know, some of the, the Greek or Roman gods. Uh, you know, in um, in Ephesus, it was Diana. Um, in Corinth, there was a bunch of dead other gods, but they'd go to the temple, right? We don't really have that today. But we still have God. Mm-hmm. That we need to say no to. Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest one's right here. Isn't that that thing that's in between the two ears? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the absolute biggest one. But we have money, and we have things, and we have relationships, and we have jobs, and we have all these things that can be really, really good, right? Mm-hmm. Or we can make them into something bad when we put more emphasis onto those things than we put onto the Lord. When we trust in those things more, whether that's, hey, I'm going to trust in myself more than I'm going to trust in the Lord. When we trust in a relationship, we trust in our job more, we trust in... Um, our, our house or the, our bank account or our whatever it might be when you put your trust into something more than the Lord you're actually engaging in false worship we need to flip that around you think we want to make sure there's clothes let's build a fine linen bright and clean right make sure we're trusting wholly in our hubby. The only perfect one. Because let's face it, guys, we ain't perfect. But we do have a perfect groom. Right? That we can trust in. But it also takes trust on our part. If we can no longer go so far, you know, we have to go the other way and say yes. Right, so how do we, how we're the bride of Christ, you know, now that um, we're clothed in the fine linen, we, we have the fellowship of the Lord in, in the communion, that, that deep and, and incredible salvation fellowship with him. 
And we're a prophetic people, a people that give out the word of God. We live it. Our whole lives show it. Consequently, the earth is filled and more people know who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord, your word says that we're a spotless bride, but I think for all of us at, at times we sure don't feel spotless or very bride-like. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not realizing who we are. Lord, forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for um, following after other things, putting other things ahead of you. Lord, I, I pray that you will reveal to each one of us where we have where we've not been a very good bride. And I ask that you'd forgive us, Lord. We know it's all a gift anyway. Lord, we forgive us and welcome us back again. Lord, I pray that you will enable us in every way that we need to be enabled to be the bride that we're supposed to be. Lord, we need boldness. We need strength. We need resources. We need, we need our heads screwed on straight because sometimes it's just not. Lord, I pray that you will enable us to be the bride that we're supposed to be. Forgive us when we fall short. Pick us up. Dust us off. And get us back on the right track. Lord, I, I know your word says that we have been given so many things that we've been given the crown jewels we've been clothed and we've been um, given all this glory a lot of times it sure doesn't feel like it though I pray that you'll help us to receive those things receive them well Lord whatever those look like whether it is actual literal resources that you, you give to us or just our hearts realizing the glory that you have placed upon us. Lord, give us those things that we might walk in them in complete newness of life, renewness of hope, renewed joy, renewed peace. Lord, I'm asking that you... Um, you give us kids. Lord, you are you are not um, Lord, we need spiritual kids. 
This is this is should not be a marriage that doesn't have fruit, a fruitless marriage. Lord, we're asking for spiritual kids. Lord, we will be intimate with you and, and be in your presence and love on you and Lord give us kids. Bring people in. We'll be faithful to give them the word and to, to bring them up and to Lord, but we're asking that you help bring the kids. No matter what they look like, Lord, whether they are um, five months or, or or you know, ninety-five. No matter what background they are, no matter um, what they look like on the outside, Lord, just let them come in to love on you. Bring them in. And Lord, I, I continue to pray for each person that's part of our part of our community, our body here that needs healing. Lord, I lift them up. I know there's, even in the last several days, the last week and a half, Lord, there's been more people that just need a touch from you. And Lord, I'm praying that you will touch um, every single one that is not fully recovered and restored. That you'll bring healing. You'll bring health to their bodies, to their to their hearts, to their mind, everything that is within them that is just not quite right. Lord, restore it. Heal it. Lord, and I'm, I'm asking even for miracles right now. Lord, I know that you, you heal and you restore and it can be a long time. Lord, I'm asking that you'll do an, an immediate work and bring complete restoration. Bless you guys.